Well, once again, Happy New Year. We are so thankful that you are here with us this morning, worshiping Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I know we're departing from the bulletin a little bit this morning, but I just strongly felt that we were supposed to go right into the sermon this morning. Uh, We'll probably pray sometime during it, but I'm going to be continuing the Ephesians sermon series this morning. This is sermon number six in this particular series. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to read along with us this morning. Find Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bible, and we are going to be beginning with verse 17 this morning, and we will continue through verse 32. And I'd like to ask you, if you are physically able to stand this morning, would you stand right now to honor the reading of God's Word? God's Word says this, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for bringing us to this place, your house, this morning. Thank you for the reading of your holy word. Father, I pray now that you will just open our minds to hear and to receive the message that you supply this morning. Father, I pray especially if there are people here this morning that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may this be the day of their salvation. Father, I pray that, as always when I preach, I pray that you will just simply hide me behind the cross, your cross. Lord, I pray that instead of seeing me, that they will see you. Lord, thank you for what you will do in the service. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is Put Off 
put on. And if you'll remember, the last time that we were in this series, we talked about the importance of unity in the body of Christ and just how vitally important that is. Now, Paul, the person who wrote this particular book of the Bible, he reminded us in our text last time that as Christians, we have a call to walk in a manner that is worthy of our vocation. And then he tells us that we are supposed to continue growing spiritually. We never reach the place, never do we reach the place where we are supposed to stop growing spiritually, not until the day that Christ calls us home. So he expects us to continue growing spiritually, and he also expects that as Christians we will fellowship with others in the body of Christ. Now as we begin to look at this morning's text a little bit closer, Paul continues to tell us how our call as Christians is to be followed. And notice what he tells us here in verse 17, beginning in verse 17. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And then he tells us in verse 18 that they are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God. And then he tells us why. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of Heart. Now, what Paul is doing here, he's making the point that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, once we begin following him, we are supposed to turn from our old way of living. We are supposed to turn and follow Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that Paul, we need to understand about this morning's text, Paul is writing to Gentiles right now. But he is writing specifically to Gentiles who have been converted to Christianity. That's who he is writing to. And we've talked many times before, unless there's someone here this morning that is Jewish, guess what category we fall into? Gentiles. And if you are here this morning and you are in Christ, you are in this category, Gentiles, who have been converted. And so Paul is also writing to us this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, by the grace of God, we can say, I am following Jesus Christ. But now the other Gentiles, they were not following Jesus Instead, they were following the things of the world. I wonder this morning, who do we follow? Who or what do we follow in our everyday lives? And just maybe a follow-up question to that, the people that know us the very best, our spouses, our children, our extended family, our co-workers, who would they say? That we're following. You know, we are called to go into the world, but we're called to be different from the world. And the way we can do that, we have got to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. We have got to seek His will continually, and then we have to follow Him. And you know what? That's difficult at times. It is difficult at times, but. Christ hadn't necessarily called us to things that are easy. 
The calling that each of us have as Christians, it is a difficult one. I wonder this morning, are we being obedient to the call that Christ has on our lives? Now, look at the end of verse 18. He tells us that their hearts are hard. And then he goes on to elaborate more. He says they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every kind of impurity. And you know, it's, this is very serious what he is saying right now. And I want to be sure that I have everyone's attention. So for just a moment, let me see your eyes, no matter where you're sitting this morning. Look at me for just a moment. Please make eye contact with me for just a minute. All right. I want to talk about something that is very, very serious. We have an enemy. His name's Satan. And he does a really good job of deceiving people. In fact, if you read John's Gospel, Satan is described as the father of what? Lies. He is described as the father of lies, and that is exactly what he is. That is exactly what Satan is. And one thing that, one area that he has been so successful in is getting people to believe that things that the Bible clearly identifies sin are just not that big a deal. And that's a lie directly from the mouth of Satan. Church, that's a lie. Directly from the mouth of Satan. You've heard me say over and over again, I truly believe that the Bible is God's inspired and inerrant holy word from beginning to the end. And I believe it's as relevant today as it ever has been. If the Bible defines something as a sin, it is a sin. It doesn't matter who says it's not. If you give in to that mess, you've given in to a lie. You have given in to a lie. We have got to stand fast on the Word of God. And you might wonder, so how can I do that? We've got to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. We have got to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, what was the question that the serpent asked Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? What if someone were to ask us right now about something in the Bible? Did, did God really say that? Is that really in the Bible? Folks, we've got to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. We need to know the answer, else we might be deceived. And you know, so many times, I've seen this over and over, and perhaps you have too. So many times in today's world, when we stand fast on the Word of God, it's not received very well. You might be attacked. People might talk bad about you. Stand on the Word of God anyway. It is worth it. And if we will do that, you know what I believe will happen? I believe we will reach this community for Jesus Christ. That's what I hope happens in 2023. I hope we reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
we're told in verse 22 that he starts to tell us some things we're supposed to put off and then also some things which we are to put on. We're supposed to put off to start with your old self. And it belongs to your former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires. You know, one of the things that the enemy and probably even some other people will bring up to you is your past. Don't you remember when you did that? Don't you remember when they did that? We're going to be talking about that in more detail here in just a moment. But I want to remind you, if you are following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your past is the past. You don't live there anymore. Jesus' blood covers those sins. If you are truly following Jesus as your Savior, put off your old self. It belongs to your former way of life, your former manner of life. You don't live there anymore. We do not want to spend our time in the past for something that Christ has forgiven us for. And then in verse 23, it says we're supposed to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And then look what we're supposed to put on, the new self. And look how it is described. It's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and in holiness. Remember that as Christians, we are called to live lives that are holy and blameless for Christ. That is the expectation. Now, will there be times that we will sin? Yes, there will be. Unfortunately, there will be times that we'll sin. The enemy is alive and will. But let me tell you something. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you will not be comfortable in sin. You will not be comfortable in sin. And if you ever find yourself in a season of your life where sin doesn't seem to bother you very bad, there's a problem. And there's a big, big problem. Remember, Satan is the father of lies. We're going to see in this next section of verses this morning that we are supposed to put away falsehood. We are supposed to put away falsehood and love and truth are going to replace the falsehood and bitterness. That's what we'll see in this next section of verses. And you know, so often today when our society wants to talk about sin, they don't want to talk about it completely. They only want to talk about the fact that Jesus loves everyone, and he does. Jesus does love everybody, and so should we. But I want to tell you something. If you follow the ministry of Jesus that is documented throughout Scripture, yes, Jesus did. He still does meet people exactly where they are. But guess what? He will not leave you there. He will not leave you there. He issued the command, go and sin no more. That's what he still issues. Jesus did not ever once say, okay, you're one of my children, but you just go do whatever you want. It's okay. I love you. That is not the message that Jesus preached. Jesus preached a message that we are supposed to follow him. 
if the people that we read about in Scripture, they encountered Jesus and their lives were transformed. And if we have had a true encounter with Jesus Christ, our lives will be transformed. And again, he issues that same command, go and sin no more. And I want to challenge us this morning, church, as we begin this new year, we have got to have some difficult conversations with people. We've got to be willing to speak the truth in love. Yes, we must speak the truth in love, but that does involve speaking the truth. We can't remain silent. We're way past the place of remaining silent. We've got to speak up for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to give you an illustration right now. If you've ever raised a child, you know there are a number of things that we do to protect our children. I remember, when, especially when our two boys were little, and I could walk in my grandparents' house this time of year, their source of heat was a wood stove, an old-fashioned wood stove that was right in the center of their living room. And it was hot as fire. It was. It was hot as fire, so hot that you would find it hard to probably breathe now if you, if you were in there. But you know what we did? We tried our very best to keep our boys from touching that stove. You know, see, in our house, they, there wasn't that stove to touch. And, of course, it attracted their attention. It was different. They didn't know what it was. They wanted to touch it. But as parents, we knew if they touched it, they weren't going to just get burned a little bit. They were going to get burned really, really bad. We did everything we could possibly do to keep them from touching something that we knew was blazing hot. And you know, as I look back over my lifetime, it causes me to have to ask myself this question. What have I done to try to keep an unbeliever from going to a place that's blazing hot? What am I doing on a day-to-day basis to keep somebody from hell. What, what am I doing? What am I doing? Am I taking the opportunities that he gives me to be his hands and feet? And I've got to ask you the same thing. Are you taking those opportunities? And perhaps you are answering the safe answer like this. Well, I would if he told me to. Let me tell you, he's told us to. All we have to do is read the Great Commission. He's told us to. Are we following that? Folks, there are people around us. You might think that, you know, that we don't have that problem in Greene County. Everybody's a Christian. No, they are not. There is serious lostness all around us in the midst of the Bible Belt. There are so many people that are lost and they're on their way to hell. Are we willing to have difficult conversations with them this morning just like no responsible parent would ever tell a child to touch something that's flaming hot as christians we've got to be willing to tell the truth about eternal life and again we've got to speak the truth in love that's part of it we have got to speak the truth in love but we do have to be willing to speak the truth of God's word. Look at verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Now, isn't that a fascinating concept? 
Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, one of the things that that uh, is a characteristic of our former life that we're supposed to put away is bad temper. And, you know, maybe you think, you know, I can, I can be mad and not sin. Maybe you can. But I'm going to tell you, there is a really, 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 really fine line right there. Because if there is any sinful motive that is attached to your anger, it's sin. It's not righteous anger. It's not. Now, we do see in Scripture where Jesus did get mad. But here's the difference that I believe that we see in Jesus as opposed to what we typically see. I'll just say what I typically see in my life when I'm mad. I I don't know where you fall, but I'm going to talk about myself for just a minute. When Jesus got mad in Scripture, he always had complete control of his emotions. Complete control of his emotions. You know, when I get mad, do I always have complete control of my emotions? And the answer is no, I don't. And if maybe you're asking yourself that exact same question right now, unless you have complete control of your emotions when you're mad, you're probably going to step off in sin because what usually happens is we let our frustrations out. We tell somebody who we're mad at. That's, that's human nature. But if we're doing that, we've got to examine our lives because it is probably sinful. And remember, he says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down to your, on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I'll tell you, if we give the devil an opportunity, he's going to take it. He will absolutely take it. If we open the door, he will walk through it. Now, as Christians, we are supposed to do honest work. This next section of verses says, let the thief no longer steal. Stealing is not an attribute of a Christian. It is not. I don't care what we're talking about stealing. Stealing is not an attribute of a Christian. Instead, we're supposed to do honest work, and we're supposed to share with people who are in need. Now I know that today is New Year's Day. And as a result of that, there, I know there was a large number of people last night that made what? A New Year's resolution. Or perhaps they didn't make it last night and they'll make it today. And I, I, you've probably heard me say before, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions generally because over my lifetime, I guess I've seen more New Year's resolutions that I've made personally that I did not keep as opposed to ones that I actually kept. But I want to challenge us as a church this morning, if we're considering making a New Year's resolution, let's let it be verse 29 of our text this morning. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may be that it may give grace to those who hear wouldn't that be a wonderful new year's resolution for us to make as a church when we get ready to speak 
What if we ask our, ourselves the question, is what's getting ready to come out of my mouth, is it corrupting to someone? Is it corrupting to someone? What if we ask our question, ourselves the question before we said anything, is that going to build somebody up? Or is there a possibility that it might tear them down? And then the big one, am I displaying grace? But what's getting ready to come out of my mouth? Just imagine how different that this community might look if that were our New Year's resolution. And we actually keep it. And verse 30 tells us we're not supposed to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And you know, one of the ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit is if we offend a brother or sister and say something about them that is not true. And finally, I'm going to try to quickly finish up this morning, but we see six different things that are listed in verse 31 that we're supposed to put away as Christians. The first one is all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, clamor, slander, along with all malice. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And probably you know the definitions to every one of those words. But just, I I feel like if you were struggling with the definition of one of those words, it would probably be clamor. You know, what exactly does clamor mean? Had you ever experienced somebody that was just so mad they were talking so loud and their intent was to make everyone that could possibly hear the conversation know what the problem was? That's clamor. That is clamor. And then when Paul tells us all malice, I feel like Paul wrote, included that term just to include a bucket there for and everything else. And everything else, if it's not one of these other five things that goes into this category. And then he tells us, be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And you know, God set the standard about forgiveness, didn't he? He loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross to die for our sins. That's love. That is love. And I want to tell you something this morning. When Christ forgives our sins, he does it completely. There's a place in Scripture that he talks about the span of between the east and the west. That's how far, that's how far that our, that our transgressions are placed. And you know, it, it is no accident that he chose east and west. As far as I know, that's a span that cannot be measured. Now, if he had said the north and the south, that, that is, the, you know, we know of a north pole. We know of a south pole. But I have never heard of an east pole or a west pole. It's a, it's a span that cannot be measured. That is how Christ forgives us. He forgives us and then he remembers our sins no more. I wonder when I forgive, do I forgive like that? You know, sometimes it's so easy 
to fall into this trap. You know, I've forgiven them, but it'll be a long time before I ever, what, forget. I'll tell you this morning, if, we're, if that's our mode of forgiveness, we're not really forgiving. We're supposed to forgive like Christ does. Once we forgive somebody, we are not supposed to bring it up anymore. It's in the past. We don't live there anymore. So I wonder this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Perhaps you're here this morning and you have never made that decision. Or perhaps you're watching on our live stream right now and you have never made the decision. Or maybe you are driving down the road listening to your radio and you've never made that decision. As I always end my sermons, I want to tell you how. A person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as I typically try to say, I do completely affirm and believe that it is as easy as we teach children in Bible school. It's the ABCs of Christianity. We've got to be willing to admit that we're a sinner. That there are things in our lives called sin that do not please God. And as a result of this Sins, it's created a separation, a barrier between us and God, between us and Christ. The B sins, we've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He did everything that we read about in the Bible, that He walked upon this earth and He had an earthly ministry, and His life contained absolutely no sin, no sin whatsoever. And then he loved us so much that he was willing to go to that cross on Calvary and give his life for us. Now, also in in the B, the believing part, we've got to believe that he did that, that he went to the cross, that he was crucified, that he died. We've got to believe that. And then they took his body off of the cross. They put that body in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose. And that's the reason we celebrate Easter. That is the reason we celebrate Easter. And then the C stands for confessing. It's just a, it signifies repenting of our sins. But it also signifies turning from our life of sin and following Jesus and truly leaving our past in the past. I wonder this morning, do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Life is so uncertain. If, if you don't, if you are not certain that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please do not leave here today without knowing for certain. I'd be glad to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Perhaps this morning, as you've heard this sermon, you've realized, you know, there's some bitterness in my life. There's somebody that I need to forgive. What a wonderful day this would be to lay that at the foot of Jesus on New Year's Day. What a wonderful day that would be. Any day would be a good day, but I think today would be especially good. Whatever the decision is that needs to be made, I pray that you'll be obedient and to lay it at the foot of the cross. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for bringing us to this place today. Father, I pray that we will be kind to one another. I pray that we will be tenderhearted. I pray that we will forgive one another. 
And I pray that we will base that on knowing that you have forgiven our sins and how you forgive completely. Father, I pray that if there is someone here this morning that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that that your convicting power is falling upon their heart and on their life right now. Lord, I pray that just like we talked about that stove, that old wood stove being so very hot, Lord, I pray that they would be willing just to have a glimpse of how hot that hell is. Father, one of the things that I think I'll remember as long as I have my mind is hearing one of our senior adults talk years and years ago about the night that she was a child and gave herself her life to you. She was sitting on a pew right in the sanctuary, and she said it, the seat felt like it was so hot that it burned her. Lord, I pray there will be hot seats today. Lord, I pray that if there are decisions here that need to be made this morning, I pray that this will be the day that, that we lay our burdens at your feet. Father, I pray that we will see transformation in this place today, and what I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. And Father, I pray that as we go forward into this new year, what I pray that you will give us a burden for the lost. What I pray that we will be willing at every opportunity to talk to people about where they will spend eternity. Father, I pray that we'll always speak the truth in love. But Lord, I pray that you will empower us to speak the truth. And Father, for the things that you'll do, We'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.